You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. wake up one morning and go, oh, you know, I'm not going to follow the Lord anymore. That doesn't, usually doesn't happen that way. Over time, a periods of things that happen, well, what does that tell us? It tells us that we must be ever vigilant in our walk with the Lord. We must be ever on guard. We must be steadfast and immovable in our faith, knowing that God has a plan. We must know that. If Satan can get you to compromise who you are, then he knows he has a good chance of getting you to walk away from the Lord. As you listen to Pastor Dave today, remember to be diligent in your relationship with the Lord. God has a plan, and it will take consistent effort from you to not compromise who you are. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 9 with today's edition of A Sure Hope. You are If you're working for the Lord... Shrewdness kind of doesn't have a part to play. You're doing it as unto the Lord. It seems that Solomon gave Hiram some fairly insignificant settlements and received a large amount of gold. Still, all in all, there's no way to treat a friend. What happened to the love your neighbor part? Come on. Another commentator out of study said this, quote, We don't know exactly why Hiram was displeased with the cities. Perhaps he was displeased with his compromise, knowing that Solomon did something his father David would never do. So Solomon, so you see what I'm saying? It appears to be a crack. It appears to be something going on. Insignificant, possibly. But this is what compromise does. It seems so insignificant. It seems so, well, who cares? Well, I got what I needed. He got the 20 cities. You know, it was a push. So the next thing we see is Solomon's now going to strengthen his kingdom. Let's read 15 through 24. And this is the reason for the labor force which King Solomon raised to build the house of the Lord, his own house, the Milo, the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and taken Gezer and burned it with fire and killed the Canaanites who dwelt in the city and had given it as a dowry to his daughter, Solomon's wife. And Solomon built Gezer, Lower Beth Horim, Baalath, and Tamar, and the wilderness in the land of Judah. All the storage cities that Solomon had, cities for his chariots and cities for his cavalry and Whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, in all the land of his dominion, all the people who were left of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Termites, and who were not the children of Israel. Oh, you didn't read that? Oh, okay. I have ites before my eyes. I'm sorry. I have ites before my eyes. That is their descendants who left in the land after them, whom the children of Israel had not been able to destroy completely. From these, Solomon raised a forced labor, as it is to this day. But the children of Israel, Solomon made no forced laborers, because they were men of war, and his servants, his officers, his officers, his captains, commanders of chariots and cavalry. 
Others were chief of the officials who were over Solomon's work, 550 who ruled over the people who did the work. But Pharaoh's daughter came up from the city of David to her house, which Solomon had built. Then he built the Milo. So Solomon is strengthening his kingdom. He's using all his power, all his might, all his wisdom, and everybody else's money to strengthen the kingdom of Israel. He wants to strengthen it. He is described here by many, including Josephus, as a shrewd diplomat and a slick politician. That's what he's described at. He never missed an opportunity to increase his wealth or his power. We see Solomon raises a labor force to compete the building projects. They're listed for us. The house of the Lord, Solomon's house, the Milo, the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. Now, I've seen Megiddo. I've been there. We walked through it. It looked like it probably was a magnificent structure, a magnificent fortress. I've seen it. Obviously, I've seen the wall of Jerusalem. Milo means landfill. Milo means landfill. It's an architectural way of terracing and buttressing on the northeastern slope of the east hill of Jerusalem, the city of David. Now, but I have this picture that shows these terraces that they come down. Here you have the wall, the eastern wall of Jerusalem, and then you have this terracing that goes all the way down, all the way down to the Kidron Valley. All the way down to the brook of Kidron right there. And it's really beautiful. You see this terracing there. And this is what it's talking about. A terracing effect. Why do they do it? To protect the city. You would have to go all the way up that wall just to get to the wall of Jerusalem. I mean, this was great. This was really a wonderful thing. He really took care of it. He really looked at it. Now, in verses 20 through 23, when he got all the ites, when he took all the ites, I'm not going to read them again. Who were not the children of Israel, and he made them force laborers. This was another compromise. This was another compromise, a continuing compromise that I might give you a hint that started with Joshua. What was the compromise? They were supposed to drive everybody out of the land. They were supposed to get rid of everybody in the land. They failed to do it. They weren't supposed to put them as slave labor. They were supposed to be driven out completely. But Joshua failed to do it, and everybody since then failed to do it, so you have all these ites living there. They're all still living in. So what Solomon does is he rounds them up and he puts them to work. But God strictly commanded that they be thrown out, not to be used as slave laborers. So you see this little compromise. Solomon doesn't make his own people work. Instead, he gives them boss jobs. They basically become taskmasters. They basically become taskmasters. I wonder if they thought about that when they were driving these people to work. I wonder if they thought about their forefathers in Egypt being driven to do these cities for Pharaoh. I wonder if they thought about that. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So although Solomon is accomplishing a lot of stuff, we also see him starting to slip a little bit. He's compromising on the word of God. He's starting to slide a little bit. You see that. That's all it takes is one little tiny compromise, folks. It's not going to be this great big thing. You're not going to go out and do this major monstrous sin all at once. It's going to start with a small compromise. A small compromise. 
In verse 25, it says, Now three times a year Solomon offered burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar which he had built for the Lord, and he burned incense with them on the altar that was before the Lord, so he finished the temple. Three times a year. Three times a year, according to the word of God, all males in Israel must go to Jerusalem to celebrate three different feasts. What were they? Pentecost is one of them. Passover. Tabernacles. Tabernacles. They had to celebrate those three. Those three in Jerusalem. That's where they were commanded by God in his word to come up. These three. The Passover for the Jew looked back from the deliverance from Egypt. Tabernacles commemorated God's caring of them in the wilderness and of course, first fruits or Pentecost celebrate us the goodness of God as he sent in the harvest. For the Christian, these three feasts are also important to us as well. So you have Passover. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. He's the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. In Pentecost, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The coming of the Holy Spirit. All right. And then the tabernacles for us talks about something that's going to happen in the future. What is it? The gathering of all Christians. The gathering of all Christians. That's what tabernacles speaks about. The the, the harvest of first fruits. The gathering of the harvest. So here's the question. Look at this. Look at this. Look at the scripture. Three times a year Solomon offered burnt sacrifices. Now that. Many, many scholars agree, and then many, many scholars disagree. It's kind of like everything else in the Word of God. <laughs> Do you see a problem in that statement? What's the problem? Solomon wasn't a priest. If Solomon took over the job of the priest and offered those sacrifices, that was a direct disobedience to God's law. A direct disobedience to God's law. Solomon the priest. Now, there are those who think that Solomon gave the sacrifices to the priest and they did it. We don't, it doesn't really say that here. All it says is Solomon offered sacrifices. There's a question here. If he did, it's another transgression. If he took the duties which were exclusively for the priest, we don't know. But it appears that way. So we see yet another slip in character. Another slip in not obeying the word of God. Another small compromise. And finally, you didn't know that Israel had a navy, did you? Why not? They're right there on the Mediterranean Sea. Why should they have a navy? Well, here's the first, the beginning of their navy. Let's finish it out. King Solomon also built a fleet of ships at Ezion Gerber, which is near Elath on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. Then Hiram sent his servants with the fleet, seamen who knew the sea, to work with the servants of Solomon. And they went to Ophir and acquired 420 talents of gold from there and brought it to King Solomon. So now Solomon is financing a navy. He builds this fleet of ships at that Red Sea point, probably somewhere in the wilderness, which was populated by the Edomites, but David had subdued the Edomites. And now everything that happened there was for Judah, was for Israel. 
The fleet goes to Ophir in the West Indies, and they believe it's a place called Siloam. They believe that Ophir here is a place called Siloam. Gold was commonly traded back then, so they pick up another 120 talents of gold. How much gold does this guy need? Holy mackerel. He's acquiring all this wealth. My goodness, it's incredible. And this wealth is going to come up and bite him. Trust me, it's going to come up to get him. Solomon's servants and the people from Tyre are the sailors because they had knowledge. But what I like about this, what I glean from this is one nation helping the other. And as I applied it to our Christian lives, we need each other. We need to help each other. We need to be with each other. We need to have each other's back in time of need, in time of plenty, whenever. We need, to, we need each other. And, you know, how blessed it is for the brethren to dwell in unity. It says, like the oil coming down Mount Hermon over the beard of Aaron. This beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit in unity. And when you read in the book of Acts, you read in the book of Acts where they were all of one accord. They were not sitting in a Honda. Don't go there. When they were all of one accord. When they were all of like-minded. The Holy Spirit came upon them when they were like-minded. When they were in one accord, that unity, the oil representing going down over the beard of Aaron, that oil, that blessing of the oil, the anointing of the oil, oil always represents the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fell upon them, the 120, in Jerusalem, on the upper room that night, it says they were of one accord, and they had been that way for a long time. They had been that way for a long time, so being of one accord, being in unity is major. It's major. We see this here. Cities working together. Countries working together. They bring home 420 talents of gold. It's interesting that there is no gold in Israel except that which is brought in. They've never discovered gold. There's never been an Israel gold rush. All of it has been brought in from outside. And I kind of get something from this. Look at Proverbs 3.14. We're almost done here. Look at Proverbs 3.14. It says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than profits of silver and her grain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Well, who is the her? Wisdom. Wisdom. Knowledge of the Lord. Knowledge of the Lord is better than anything. And that's what Solomon, it's Solomon that wrote this. It's Solomon that wrote this scripture. He wrote it, but it doesn't seem like he could live it. Greater is the kinds of riches, silver and gold or rubies. To have the wisdom that comes from God's loving correction is better than anything, any material wealth. By inheritance from his father David, and through his own shrewd business dealing, Solomon became a massive, fabulously wealthy man. No one knew how rich he was. Solomon knew the blessings of the relationship with God and godly character. But he will soon fall away. Solomon will soon fall away. Compromise, that deadly drone of small, seemingly insignificant temptations. While we're fighting and resisting in one area... We may be compromising in another area. 
We may be strong in one area, but there might be an area of life where we're compromising. And folks, I'm not doing this. Remember, when I do this, there's three pointing back at me. Now, I had to go through this before I can give it to you. I had to look at this and look at my life. Where am I compromising, Lord? Show me. Where is it that I'm compromising in my life? I don't want to compromise. I want to be strong for you. Satan will always creep into your, in our lives for the purpose of eroding your relationship with the Lord. He knows he can't snatch you out of the Lord's hands. He knows that. But he can get some of your time. He can get some of your time that you spend with the Lord. He can get some of your time. He can make you feel rotten about yourself because of the witness you are. And he can really destroy that relationship you have. He likes to eat away at that foundation little by little. You see someone who's fallen from their walk in the Lord? I bet it started with a compromise. I bet it started with a compromise. People don't wake up one morning and go, oh, you know, I'm not going to follow the Lord anymore. That doesn't, usually doesn't happen that way. Over time... A periods of things that happen. What, what does that tell us? It tells us that we must be ever vigilant in our walk with the Lord. We must be ever on guard. We must be steadfast and immovable in our faith, knowing that God has a plan. We must know that. A little tiny bit spoils the whole loaf. In 1 Corinthians 5, Verses 6 and 7, Paul says this to the Corinthian church, which had massive problems. The Corinthian church had massive problems. They allowed all sorts of compromise to come into their lives. They were compromising terribly on the gifts of the Spirit. They were compromising terribly on what God had done in their lives. They were compromising in every area of their lives. And Paul has to write this letter. 1 Corinthians is a correction letter. It's a correction letter. And Paul says this in chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. What glorying is not good, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be new lump, since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. To this day, to this day, when the Jews celebrate Passover, they spend an enormous amount of time the week before getting rid of all the yeast and all the leaven. Leaven always represents sin. Always. Throughout Scripture, it represents sin. Represents sin. So you see this, Paul says, a little leaven. This is what I'm talking about. This little tiny thing. Oh, who would know? Who would know if I went on this website? Who would know if I did this or did that? Who would know? Who would know? God would know. God would know. God would know. Even walking down the boardwalk, checking out the babes in the swimming suits, God knows. God knows, and he put punch belly there to tell me. What you looking at? What you looking at? Every time we move to glorify the Lord, every time we make advancement of the gospel, every time we want to share the salvation message with somebody, Satan comes around. And he's always waiting there. Every time the church moves forward, Satan is waiting there. And I said at the beginning of this study, when I was talking about the people who are sick and hurting for all sorts of different things, we are in a war. It is a war for souls. It is a war for salvation of those who don't know Jesus Christ. And it is a war for our own salvation. 
It's a war for us. Work out your salvation. Stay strong in the Lord. We offer Bible studies constantly throughout the time here at Calvary Chapel. There is no winning a battle without major warfare. You put on the armor of God and you go forward. We must brace ourselves for an onslaught of tricks that the evil one will use and he will come against us with the word of God. And you know what's crazy about it? He hasn't changed his MO one bit. He hasn't changed it one bit. Go all the way back, all the way back to Genesis. All the way back when he came to Eve and said, has God really said that? He's questioning the word of God. Has God really said you shouldn't eat? Has God said you're going to die if you eat that? Always questioning the word of God. And that's what he does in our hearts. Eve was probably hungry. The fruit was pleasing to the eye, the lust of the eye, pride of life, the lust of the flesh. It looked good. Don't let compromise sneak into your life. Fight against it with all your might. Fight against that temptation when it comes not to let a little thing creep into your life. Be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work in the Lord is not of vain in the Lord. Don't let it. Take heed, Christian, lest you fall. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can look at it and we can glean from these scriptures in the Old Testament something that could apply to our lives today. And my prayer is for these saints who have gathered here tonight. My prayer is for those that might be watching on Facebook. My prayer, Lord, is that you would help us, Lord, to be on guard. Put angels to surround us that we might know the wiles of the evil one. That we might be prepared when he slings something our way. We might be able to say no and throw the word of God at him. Just like Jesus did in the wilderness when he was tempted. It is written. We'll be able to stand against those ways. We'll be able to stand strong and tough in the times when he comes against us. I pray, Lord, that we would buddy up. We would buddy up and we would get in fellowship one to another. That koinonia, spirit-filled fellowship where we would be stronger because iron sharpening iron as we get together. And if we're in need, we would reach out to a brother, reach out to a sister, reach out for prayer, that we would be strong in this day of battle. Lord, the battle's raging for souls out there. And we know that your time is short. We know that our time here on this earth is short. It's a vapor, it's a blip, it's like a blade of grass thrown into the wind. We know, Lord, that you're coming quickly. But Lord, you've told us to occupy until you come. You've told us to go about the work. You've given us the authority. You've told us to go about the work. You've given us the power by your Holy Spirit. So Lord, help us, Lord. Help us to be aware of the things that are coming at us. And help us, Lord, not to fall. Thank you, Lord, for all you are and all you do. Oh, Lord, how we love you and how we love your word, Lord. Let it sink into our heart deep. And let it be a shield about us, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of 1 Kings. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for times and directions. And if you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 1 Kings. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from 1 Kings. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and tune in next time on A Sure Hope.